This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show interviews. We've got lots of interviews to get to today, so sit back and enjoy the ride as UFC 261 is upon us and we have three title fights, including Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas trying to win back the title from Zhang Bailey, and we have at least one participant of each of these main events joining us on the show. But first, we get to the boss man. Dana White will join the TSN MMA Show interview edition. Spoke to him earlier in the week about all things UFC, what's going on now, what's going on later, what went on this past weekend. So uh, enjoy that one. We'll uh, also be joined by Jorge Masvidal, Gamebred, in the main event of this weekend's UFC 261 card. And both competitors in the women's strawweight title fight, Zhang Li and Rose Nabayunas, as well as Valentina Shevchenko, the Bullet, who will be defending her title against Jessica Andrade. Uh, fun show. I hope you enjoy it. But uh, a little bit of a disclaimer. For the Zhang Li interview, uh, there was a translator. So uh, I'm, for the sake of uh, making this you know, as condensed as possible, unless you speak Mandarin, you're probably not going to understand what Zhang is saying. And this is an English pod- podcast. So I isolated what her translator said. Uh, so that you don't have to hear her translator saying the question to her in Mandarin, her responding in Mandarin, and then him responding in English. I uh, I trimmed that so that it's a little bit of an easier lesson. So when you hear me introduce Zhang Veili and you hear a man's voice uh, answering the questions, just know that that is her translator and not her. I sh- this should seem pretty straightforward, but uh, I'm just saying it anyways because we're going to play these back-to-back-to-back. So uh, enjoy them. We'll start off with UFC President Dana White, followed by Jorge Masvidal, Rose Namajunas, Zhang Veili, and Valentina Shevchenko. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, enjoy. After being welcomed to an empty arena in Jacksonville nearly a year ago, the UFC goes back to Jacksonville with a full arena for UFC 261. Three titles on the line. We haven't seen Zhang Wei Li yet in the pandemic era. It's nice to see her back. But I want to ask you first and foremost about these three title fights. Give me the number one thing that intrigues you about each of them. That intrigues me what? About? About each title fight. Oh, God. Well, obviously, Weili Zhang, you know, the, the, this absolute savage beast will be taking on Rose Namajunas, the absolute number one contender. You know, Weili is strong and powerful, kicks and punches, whereas Rose is very slick, you know, uh, great movement, great hands, and usually catches people with stuff they don't see coming. That's a fun fight. Um, Shevchenko, who has been absolutely unstoppable going in against, I think, the toughest fight of her, other than when she was at 135 pounds, taking on Nunes and things like that. But in this weight class, I I think that Andrade is going to be the toughest uh, test for her yet. And, you know, if she blows through Andrade, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we do about talking about these three women. Should they all win? Should uh, Amanda Nunes beat Pena? And then Shevchenko wins against Andrade and Weili Zhang beats, you know, you got really three of the baddest women in the world. Um, And then the main event, this is the fight that Masvidal was saying, you know, you know, I took this fight on short notice. I came in to fight you on short notice, flew halfway around the world to come fight you. Uh, And Usman saying, I I want this fight because I want no excuses. I, I want to beat you definitively, and we can never have this conversation again. I'm curious what Usman said to you when he was in your office, right after his last win. Before he left, 
he sat down with you and, and made the pitch for Masvidal. What did he say? I just, you know, he's at a point in his career now where he's looking at, you know, who's next again. You know, he's coming back and, and going to be facing guys that, that he's already beat. So Masvidal, obviously Masvidal took that fight on short notice. So let's give him this fight and we, and we can we can do away with all the excuses. Um, and then Colby Covington's next. Now I spoke to Ali Abdelaziz, who manages Kamaru Usman last week. Now, tell me if this is accurate. He told me, you believe that Usman is the best welterweight of all time. Yeah. Can you corroborate this? Yeah, I, I just think that, that, you know, if you look at what this guy's done, every time he fights, he looks better and better. He's literally fought everybody out there. And now, now he's going for a second run, you know, on these guys. And the fight with him and, um, him and Colby Covington is one of the best fights I've ever seen. The thing that I think people hold against Usman is the lack of title defenses compared to George, but I'll, I'll defend him in this case. There are so many more challengers at welterweight these days than there were during George St. Pierre's era, and he had a lot of trouble getting fights with guys in the top ten. People wouldn't sign to fight this guy. I think he could have been champion probably three years ago, maybe four years ago, had he gotten the right matchups earlier. I agree with you. And, if you, and you said it. The, the division is stacked with, with, with killers right now. Um, and, you know, like I say, the, the fight with him and Colby, Colby Covington, love him or hate him or whatever your deal is with him, is one of the best fighters in the world. Very, very good fighter. And that fight was incredible. And uh, both guys had to dig deep in that fight. It's one of the best fights I've ever seen, ever. So do you think Covington does need to fight one more time before he gets another shot at Usman if Usman does win? Or Masvidal, I mean, there's, there's beef there too. I don't, who knows, anything can happen. I mean, guys get injured, things happen, timing, you know, who knows, you can never, especially in this day and age, but uh, that should be the fight that happens next. Is he weighing in? Yes, he'll weigh in. Wait, no, he's not. No, he's, he, who's, who's the backup for that fight? There isn't one, no. Okay, because he had mentioned that he was thinking of coming down and, and weighing in, that he was going to be at the event. Yeah, yeah, no. With Wei Li, uh, she's coming back, and there's also a lot of other Asian fighters on this card. Was that by design? Uh, just the way that it played out. So with Wei Li, what, what do you think we're going to see from her that we haven't seen last time? It seems every single time she fights, we see new improvements to her game. With Rose, the one thing she hasn't really faced is somebody who's a real submission artist, and I think Rose fits that bill. I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, Wei Li, as, as badass as she is and, and as talented, and she's the world champion, there's still a lot of things that are green about her. She still gets better every time she fights. She looks stronger every time she fights. Um, you know, th th it was a good layoff for her after that war that she had with Ioana Jacek. So she had some time to heal up and uh, and improve and get better. So th th this should be, stylistically, should be a very, very good fight. You mentioned Wei Li, the, the time off. What about Joanna? Have you heard from her at all about what she wants to do? Joanna just hit us up uh, last week, I think. Wants to come back. Anybody in mind? I mean, I don't know what's going on with Tatiana Suarez. I, I hear she's recovering, starting to train again. Do, do you have any idea what her Nothing timeline yet. is? We don't have anything yet. Let's touch on a couple things that happened this past weekend. Robert Whitaker with a massive win. This guy's just looked untouchable since he lost to Israel. Is he next in line? I imagine that would be the, the thing that makes the most sense, given that he's the number one contender. 100%, yeah. So, again, that's going to all determine on, you know, wh wh what are these guys got going on in their personal life and, 
you know, if we can make that fight, then that's the fight we'll make. If not, we'll do Vittori. When does Israel want to come back? Have you spoken to him at all? I think Israel's ready. I think Israel want to fight this summer. Okay, so that would make a lot of sense. He wants to fight over there, which we want too. Love to have a fight in Australia or New Zealand, you know, but, uh, you know, they're still on lockdown over there. I can't go over there and quarantine all my people. So hopefully, uh, you know, they open up or we figure something else out somewhere else. Yeah, I guess if everybody went down, they'd all have to quarantine for two weeks, something along those lines? Can't happen. Now, going back to this weekend again, you have Drakkar Close and Jeremy Stevens squaring off. Scary incident where he gets pushed, Close gets pushed, can't compete, gets a concussion, whiplash, something along those lines. Is there going to be a new rule implemented of some sort about these guys laying hands on each other at the, at the face-off? I mean, there is a rule. I mean, that's why we're there. Sean Shelby missed that one. Sean Shelby, you know, Sean and I see the thing differently. I saw it on social media and called him immediately. I was at my daughter's, uh, I was in Orlando at the ESPN cheerleading competition. Oh, wow. (laughs) And uh, I saw the thing happen on social media and I called Sean. I was like, dude, what do you, what, 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 where, where was your head on that one? You know, he was coming in hot and it's Jeremy Stevens. He's a savage. I mean, yeah. That's, we're not standing there to look good and take pictures. We're there to make sure that doesn't happen. So what's the latest on his health situation? Is that one getting rebooked sometime soon, or do you <clears> need to just wait and so see? He's a young, that's... healthy guy. He'll, he'll get better, but it's just it's unfortunate, and it's, it's, it should have never happened. Now, one thing a lot of people are talking about coming out of this weekend is that Triller event with uh, Jake Paul and Ben Askren. Did you end up betting money on Ben? I know Snoop was calling you out at the end of the show, but I heard you in interviews say, you're not taking this at even money. You're taking, you're taking the, uh, the, the, the plus money. The one guy in the United States that actually listened to the interview. Exactly. Not only was I not going to take even money when I could bet it legally, I'm not going to bet illegally, <laughs> number one, I, just so we're clear, and the IRS and everybody else knows I did not make a bet for a, a million or $2 million that I would not ever make an illegal bet. And number two, yes, I can bet it legally in Las Vegas or with DraftKings, at two to one. Why, why would I take that bet? So, no, I did not bet. Now, to prove that uh, I do watch your interviews as well, you bet a million dollars on Pavlik versus Taylor. Did you bet anything on this fight? That is, that is true. I did bet on that one, and I was on the wrong end of that one. Um, no, I did not bet on this fight. Did you end up watching the event? Because there was a lot of uh, people commenting on all the musical acts and all of the, the lack of combat, so to speak, that took place during the event. Yeah, I was I was at, at Buffalo Wild Wings in uh, Orlando. I watched it in a Buffalo Wild Wings in Orlando, and um, you know they had because I was watching the UFC fight and they had that fight on in there too. With International Fight Week, full house, sold out. You got Poirier McGregor, the trilogy fight. Are there any other plans for things that are going to go on during that week that you can reveal? Not yet. We we, we haven't put anything. You know, first of all, we just got the the day that we announced that fight. We got the go-ahead from the governor that, that we were going to be able to sell it out. And uh, we, don't, we don't have anything planned yet. Those guys were going back and forth on Twitter, like in the hours leading up to the announcement of the fight. Was there any chance that that thing was going to fall apart? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of chances that was going to fall apart. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were on some calls that day. Yeah, then. That, what, listen, what happened? I saw, some, I saw some conspiracy theorists thinking that that was uh, to help promote the fight. Absolutely none of that was done to help promote the fight. I can assure you of that. Um, but we got it done. 
So what ha what had to happen? What do you have to calm Connor down on the phone, or you know what went on behind the scenes? Well, both guys. I mean, we 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 had to go back and forth. And uh, listen, man, we've been doing this for 20 years. This is what we do. This is what we do. We get it done. I'm joined now by Jorge Masvidal. Game bread gets a rematch against Kamaru Usman. Now, last fight, of course, very short notice. This time, not so much. You've got a full camp. Were you expecting to get this rematch right away without having to take another fight in between? Pretty much. Yeah. If we would have took anything else in Tyson, meanwhile, because I, I love to compete and I love to earn paychecks, but there was nothing that really was really tickling our people, you know? They had uh, thrown out that me and Marl would be coaching tough and we'd be scrapping in September. That was only like other plan that was really in, on paper, you know? This was going on for like two, three weeks as we were talking that you've seen that was the plan. It ended up uh, not being it, but even better. I didn't. I didn't really want to go away for six weeks and not see my family and be on that show. So I'm, I'm, this is much, much better. Yeah, you were away from your family for about a year doing another reality show. So I imagine it's probably a relief for you that you don't need to do something along those lines again. Definitely, it wasn't a year. Goodness, it was about uh, uh, 13 weeks that that I was away. Um, I only had like phone contact and now you had to earn that because basically in this reality show they just stripped you of like basic needs like housing, your family, visitations, phone, music, internet, things like that. So it was a, it was a very interesting dynamic. And while that was probably difficult for you, that kind of changed your life being on that show and not having those amenities. It changed your mentality towards the fight game. Oh, yeah, it, it, you know, in this breakthrough, I thank God that the breakthrough happened in the middle of the jungle all by myself, just praying to God, and, and I was able to, to download that knowledge. But that breakthrough could have happened in jail in solitary confinement, and it could have happened in, in a hospital bed. I just needed to be by myself, no TV to influence me, no music, no, no chicks calling me to come party with him or nothing like that, you know, just me by myself, you know, in my own thoughts, coming up with my own formula. Everything I had done wrong leading up to that point, everything I had done right leading up to that point, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and saying, well, if this has led to success, let me multiply that. And if this has led to any type of, like, stalemate or not a great performance or anything like that, let's X that out of the equation. Let's keep writing this formula. And I come back. My first fight is against Darren Till. I get fight of the night. And fight of the night. It just shows me, like, we're, we're doing something right. Keep going this route. The next fight is Ben Askren. Everybody knows what happened there. The fight took a long, long time. You know, it was such a long, drawn-out fight, and then blah, 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 blah. But it, it let me know that I was doing things right. And then the next fight is Nate Diaz, and, and he gets the business too. So um, it just let me know that my mind, body, and soul were pointing in the right direction and still are. You've become so much more popular since then which means that there's probably a lot more demands of you, whether it's media, whether it's uh, promotion, anything along those lines. You're on the cover of the EA Sports video game. How hard is it for you to have those solitary moments now in order to, to get some of that inner peace back that you were able to get on that reality show? Nah, it doesn't happen. Once a fight gets announced, I'll tell you that much. I still make it happen, you know? I still uh, talk to my God every day, every every minute of every hour, I find a way to talk to God. Um, that being the most important thing, but the solitary confinement, I don't, I don't get to do it. And, I'm, and I'm, I I could be at ease, at peace with myself by being alone, you know? I, I don't mind it at all. I don't get it as much often, but I'm, I'm surrounded by a good group of people that are very much like me. So 
I'm not by myself, but it, I'm with others like me, so it, it helps a lot, you know? And that's something that when I came back into the sport, I'm like, I'm cutting out everything that don't make sense. If it's negative and it just doesn't help, whether it be a personal situation, influence, a, a, anything that you could think of, just because I only have one and not get where I'm at right now and further. I didn't realize you were such a religious person. Was that spirituality awoken in you when you were on that show, when you were away from things and had some time to reflect? No, no, I've always, uh, since since a child, I've always believed in, in, in God in a, in a very strong way, you know. And I'm nowhere near perfect, so let me just say that first, because, you know, um, people think because you believe in God, you're supposed to be perfect or something. I'm nowhere near perfect. I just believe in, in God Almighty. So explain why a fight against a guy like Kamaru Usman with his skill set is so difficult to, to do uh, on such short notice like you did last time and why this time around it's just a completely different ball game with a full camp. On average I cut seven or nine pounds per fight when I'm competing at 170 pounds. Uh, that fight was 20 pounds so that, that was one glaring difference right there, you know. That's something that, that I, I didn't... I didn't 100% coming how I wanted to or how I expected. The, the weight cut was a little bit tougher than I expected. As I stand right now, I'm like 11 pounds ago. So ju just on that alone, we're, we're talking about a lot of more energy instead of being wasted into the weight cut and running through that desert, I'm gonna waste it on breaking Usman's face. Now I spoke to Usman's uh, manager earlier this week. He says he believes Usman is the best welterweight of all time. Now obviously he's a formidable competitor, but where do you think he ranks in terms of welterweight all time? If you were to look at UFC history, I, I just think it's silly that uh, that you're gonna ask his manager. Of course, he's gonna say something like that. You know, you should ask my dad what he thinks of me. <laughs> but um, uh, I I don't think he's the greatest of all time because there's this guy named GSP that has more title defenses than him. You know, um, I think there's been a lot of great welterweights. I think at different times, different different guys would have beat up different guys. You know, I I think like uh. For example, Johnny Hendricks would have been a nightmare matchup for Usman. Knocked him out, I think. You know, so, you know, that that's also up for debate, but I just think Johnny Hendricks was a better wrestler with more power, this and that. So we can start with the he say, she say, but as of right now, he's doing well. He's defended that belt a couple times. So he's definitely good. I wouldn't say the greatest. You're someone who really prides yourself on bringing the fight to your opponent. In the circumstance like the last fight, how annoying was it for you? To be in, in that situation where he's just taking you down repeatedly, keeping you down on the floor, and you're not able to to do what you believe is the true spirit of fighting. Um, out of 16 takedowns, he converted five, so I don't I don't think I was taking that often. I was pressing his cage often and, and forced to rub feet with this individual, which is if you've ever seen a fight of mine, not not something that I signed up for. I, I signed up to to give everybody in that audience watching whether they love me or hate me. Give them what they they spent on that fight, their time, their that whatever it is that they spent, and give it to them in the form of action and violence. So, I mean, obviously I was frustrated, you know, but um, we dealt with those issues. We addressed them in the gym immediately after fighting. It's not like it's a five-week thing. Like in five weeks, I got ready for this guy. No, no. Since the day I got off the plane from Abu Dhabi, I got on a bike, I, I put on my shoes, I went for like a six-mile bike ride, and since that day, I've been working every day to break into Usman's face, and now the time has just come. You mentioned stopping 11 of the 16 takedowns. Uh, you're working with Bo Nickel, one of the most decorated amateur wrestlers uh, really ever. Watching this guy's highlights, he's like watching a knife cut through butter. This guy's just so smooth with his wrestling. How, how big of a weapon is he for you to, to be in there with somebody like that day in and day out? 
well, I mean, we, we talk about, and I can say this because I competed with, with Usman, so now I know what he brings to the table. And Bo, it, it's not fair, you know. If anything, Bo's too much, you know. Bringing in somebody is just too much that this guy's skill set is nowhere near that, you know. Bo, we're talking about a guy that's that just a cat, man. He's phenomenal. He can pin guys. He can score from awkward, weird positions. But uh, more than anything, just the mentality and, and just some of the techniques that we got to share with each other, that he got to share with me in certain situations and positions, how to be more effective with my evasiveness and getting away. Because wrestling from a bottom to get up is an art form. It's a style. And that's why you see when, when guys hit like a certain level in that getting up, they don't get ridden out. They, they don't get held down too often. And you just have to bring yourself to that level. And uh, Bo's definitely skyrocketing me a little bit more in that direction. You know, just showing me little things, little setups of how he gets up. You know, hey, instead of going like this, go like this. You know, just one after another and, and just polishing up every situation that I could possibly land in. Now you won the BMF championship. So with the win, would you consider yourself a two-division champion, or is that just something that's entirely unique to you? When I win, I will definitely consider myself something different than every other champion. That's that's true, because that is one one. Um, and, you know, I'm the only one with it. So I'm definitely in the category all by myself. But I, I always wanted to be in that category all by myself. Not not that I'm better than GSP or Massaro, all these other great welterweights that came before me. I'm just different, man. I'm, I'm a violent individual. I'm going to risk myself as much as I can to to annihilate the other person in front of me. And, uh, you know, it, it's took in a lot, you know, because for people see me and, and they say, man, he's a great striker, world-class striker. But for every hour and a half, every hour I have in striking, I have like two hours and change in the wrestling match, in the wrestling department. Because that's going to you know, be able to showcase my standing skills to be able to deflect these grapplers and these guys just want to hug me and, and freaking try to prompt that, you know, so it, it, it's taking a lot of work and I, I just can't wait to go off my tools against Usman's face. Now this weekend, with this kind of a weird boxing match, uh, Jake Paul taking on Ben Askren, uh, I won't come a former adversary because you will correct me, but I will say uh, somebody who you've shared the cage with before. You, you look at that particular yeah. uh, boxing match, you've worked with Jake Paul. <laughs> now with Askren, sorry, go ahead. No, we ran, yeah, I know, Ben. We ran into each other briefly, you know, I had some words, and I didn't even know that guy was still alive, but whatever. Well, he managed to survive. He's got a boxing match this, this coming weekend. But with his boxing, like, he had to have worked on some sort of sparring over the years at Rufus Sport with guys like Anthony Pettis, uh, you know, Mike Rhodes. Why do you think that his striking uh, is not going to be able to, to match up to somebody like Jake Paul? I can correct you there. Actually, I know uh, people at Duke Rufus Sport and um, they used to train there all the time. And Ben, Ben, at least he's, he's true to what he says. He always used to disrespect striking in his MMA interviews. He goes, why do I need a freaking uh, striker doing his strike? I mean, you, you've seen a Ben, I, I don't know if you were able to sit through it because there was like chalk, like nails on a chalkboard, you know? Um, but he said it numerous times. That's why I, I don't have respect for this individual where he downplays striking all the time. He's like, I don't need striking. I'm just going to go in there and wrestle these guys. And yeah, I worked out for him a couple of times. But I, I can't put my money on that guy that Rigo represents in MMA when he always disrespected the beautiful sport of striking, that beautiful discipline. That's like me saying, I don't need wrestling. I don't need to train with a guy like Bo or, or go to Monday morning wrestling practice and I think because I have natural power and speed. I'll just knock these guys out. How stupid would I sound? And then I'm going to go represent the sport of MMA in a grappling competition or wrestling competition? No man, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying it, bro. This guy's a uh, snake oil sells, man. There's a way to put it. <laughs>
But you should just be over a year ago. Ended his ass so damn quick, you know. That's how he's getting this other paycheck. So he should, he should. Send, if he was a real nice guy, he'd send me a portion of this paycheck to me. Yeah, I don't think we can deny that. I think there's a reason why Jake Paul wants to face Ben Askren, and I think you are a big part of that reason. Now, a year ago, or just over a year ago, you launched your own mezcal, uh, El Recuerdo. I was wondering what's happened in, in the past year uh, in that regard. I, I imagine that with distribution and, and everything uh, during this pandemic, that. Uh, sales probably were, were, were good. I'd love to hear some good stories about uh, your, your particular brand of liquor. We've been doing phenomenal. Um, we were duty-free in Mexico last year as well. Bam. Uh, in America, we landed some huge deals with some huge chains. Uh, one of these deals, I can't talk about it yet, but it's dropping like right after the fight. It's a huge deal. It's, it's, it's huge for me. And just love it, you know, because yeah, I'm going to be good for life and my kids, kids are going to be good for life. But more than anything, it opens the doors to other fighters just like me that are like 17, 18, 19 years old, never thinking that they'll be owning a company or things like that. Yes, you can do it too, my brother. And the only way and sister to get paid is not by fighting and, and having these tyrants tell us what we're actually worth and this and that. Because who would have uh, the amount of revenue that I'm bringing to this company? It's, it's insane, you know? And I love man, I just, I hope that this not to brag, but just opens the doors or opens the eyes, at least to a lot of my brothers and sisters in the sport. Like, we could do it, man. We could go and take over, you know? We're, we're getting undervalued right now, and I hate it, but um, there's other ways for us to make revenue. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. It's always good to, uh, to hear uh, about athletes being able to monetize uh, outside of the sport. One last question for you. Now, we talked about earlier how you like to be solitary. You like to keep a very tight-knit circle. You're not the most social guy in that regard. How long did it take you to get used to doing all of this media and all of these interviews and, and being a little bit more, uh, you know, forthcoming when you're speaking with other people and, and being more open and more uh, charismatic? Well, here's the thing. Uh, with the camera, I could always just, you know, because, I don't know, it's just a camera. It, it doesn't, um, it's not the same, you know. With people, it takes a little bit longer. Like, I'm still the same person that I am since I was a kid. If I go to a park and I don't know nobody, I, I just say to myself, you know, people start talking to me, I'll talk back. But, uh... I'm always in here, my brother. I'm always in my own mind, figuring out things or, or trying to improve something in my life or someone close to me. So I I do like my alone time, and especially my own mind time. That's why the people that are close to me, they know how I operate. If they see me, I'm quiet. They leave me quiet. They don't talk to me. go, oh, he's off in his own little world. Just leave him alone. He'll come back in like two, three hours. So that that's something that definitely helps not with the media. Um, you know, I'm from Miami, so I could always talk. I could defend myself. But the media, a lot of times, didn't help me out. They didn't like beat up actual champions, knocked out top five guys. The, the media wasn't giving me no love, wasn't putting on, on on page news and things like that. And I was watching other guys get that type of love, you know. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting, you know. That's why with the media, I kind of shut down too for a long time in my career back then. I just didn't want to talk to them. But in that formula that I formulated for right, myself well. while I was in my year hiatus. One of them was the media, you know, I just had to open up more, I had to let people know who I am. If they're going to get invested in me, you know, I'm going to make the type of money that I wanted to get. You know, since I got into this, I, I, I didn't want to be famous because I, uh, I still get anxiety from it and stuff like that. But I did want to have a lot of money. I did want to provide for my family. Uh, so, you know, I did one part of the, the equation, at least. Well, it's definitely an awesome feel-good story, and we look forward to seeing that next chapter 
play out uh, when you face Kamaru Usman in front of a full building in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for doing this, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. When I finish Kamaru Usman. Thank you, my brother. I'll see you after the fight. Pleased to be joined now by Rose Namajunas, who will be fighting for the Women's Strawweight Championship this weekend against Zhang Wei Li. How are you enjoying fight week so far? I know it's a little bit out of your comfort zone, but uh, did you actually enjoy fight week at all, or do you kind of dread it up until the fight? Um, I mean, there's aspects about it that I do like, and then there's moments of uh, discomfort for sure. But um, that's kind of what we do this for. That's those peaks and valleys are, you know, what what make make life interesting, and it's you know what we do it for, man. What would you say you like the most about it and what do you like the least about it? And I'm not talking about the fight itself, but everything before the fight from when you land in the city where the fight's taking place until the fight, the fight happens. Um, I am, you know, I wouldn't say there's nothing that I don't really like dislike about it, but you know, just certain things are challenging, like, um, you know, doing the, you know, just like the photo shoots and then like, um, just I think like all the the extra stuff maybe um I'm trying to think like what specifically I don't like about this other than the fact that you know um you know it's just lots of uh you know you're just facing your fear so there's there's feelings of fear right um that's that's always something that is uncomfortable but it's like the whole reason that we're here so in a way, it's like, I can't say that I don't like it, but it definitely is uh, uncomfortable at times for sure. Is most of your fear before the fight, like, you know, until you're about to walk out or when you walk out, is that when the nerves really kick in? Uh, I think they're like all week long and there's moments where there's not, you know, there's not much. And then there's moments where that's all you feel. And um, it just kind of depends on the situation, right? Uh, but I think, um, you know, ultimately when, you know, you kind of just rely on your preparation and, and that's it. Does it get easier each time or is it just kind of the same? Uh, it's, it's about the same every time, you know, they're, I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> Does it just depend on the preparation and when you feel like you're more prepared? Um, yeah, I mean, every time I think it's a little physically easier because, you know, you have more experience and whatnot, you know what to expect. But I think ultimately it's a matter of doing it. And so so it's kind of the same every time. Now, with Whaley, I spoke to Dana White earlier this week, and he called her green pretty much. He still thinks that there's a lot to learn about her. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like there's not a ton uh, of tape on her, even though she's the champion? Um, I mean, I think she has over 20 fights. So, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't call her green. Um, you know, maybe in the UFC as far as like her UFC experience, like, but she's beaten Joanna and Andras. So, I mean, those are really high level opponents and, you know, I definitely wouldn't call her green. Well, you guys both have that in common. Two wins over two of the best to do it in the, the history of the strawweight division. So uh, with Whaley, I think the one thing we haven't seen from her, at least in the UFC, is how she does against the high-level grappler. Uh, that's something that you can bring to the table. Is that something that you're looking to at least attempt to exploit and try to get her to the ground and, and utilize your creativity there? Um, I th think that, uh, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, I will. But um, my game plan is the same every time, and that's 
punch them in the face, take their back and choke them out. And um, however that manifests in the fight, given the opportunities that I that I create and that are presented to me, I'll take that opportunity. What do you think is her best asset as a fighter? And what do you think is your best asset as a fighter? I think her best asset is her determination and her discipline and consistency. And my best asset would be my uniqueness, my creativity, my um, my fighting spirit, and just everything that I bring to the table as far as just the way that I move, um, my uniqueness and my creativity, I would say. Can creativity be taught, in your opinion? Mm. I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's, uh, well, there's aspects about it that can be taught and it can be developed. But um, ultimately, I think it, it comes from a connection with the higher source, a higher power. And uh, it's, I think it's heaven sent, divinely sent. But um, that's just my belief, you know. But yeah, I mean, there is things that you can learn about it and you can develop it. But, but it's uh, some, some comes natural, more natural than others, for sure. So who do you think are the most creative uh, creative fighters in the UFC, but the ones that are able to use it most effectively? Like we see Michelle Pereira, and he does all kinds of wacky stuff in the cage, and he's very creative, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> manifest itself uh, in wins. In terms of who, who do you think has used it the best and gotten the most success out of creativity outside of yourself in the UFC? Hmm. I would say maybe, I mean, the two people that come to mind, are John Jones, uh, Tony Ferguson, and um, Anderson Silva. Yeah, those are good answers. <laughs> I mean, Anderson yeah. Silva, when he used to walk out to the cage and DMX would play, it would feel like an event because you just you were just yeah. curious as to what was going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, it's a work of art for sure. Now, I'm sure you're tired of answering questions about this. You mentioned in a, a Lithuanian um, interview something about... Um, communism. I'm going to approach this in a bit of a different way because my dad was born in Lithuania. My grandmother and grandfather uh, were Lithuanians and they managed to come to Canada when my dad was three years old. Um, and I've also nice. seen uh, the other dream team. So the, the movie that you discussed as well. Um, so I, I do come at this from a, a place of sincerity and, and curiosity. Um, and I feel like context was kind of taken out of the picture. Family trauma yeah. is important that, you know, it's important that people recognize family trauma and, and you, you, you inherit family trauma from what your, the other generations in your family have gone through. Two of my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Uh, you know, that, that kind of trauma still come, gets passed down to, to my generation. Um, and I feel like that's probably the place that you were coming from when you were asked about that and you, you, said, you said what you said. Is, is that accurate? I don't think you were trying to pin anything on Zhang, but when you think of, of communist China, it, it brings back um, the recollections that I guess you were taught by your ancestors from Lithuania. Is that, am I coming at that from a, an accurate place? No, it's absolutely correct. There was nothing personal against her or her culture or anything like that that has nothing to do with her, really. It's all my internal battles and my internal struggles. And yeah, I might have some little triggers here and there, some maybe some uh, generational PTSD, you know, but it has, uh, that's, literally was just talking about myself and, and my journey and the other dream team. And yeah, definitely wasn't intended to be directed at her. I mean, every opponent that I face, um, I'm facing my own fears. I'm facing my opponent and, um, my opponent is staying in the way of my dreams. And so, yeah, those, those can be, um, yeah, that's, that's just the, 
the mentality that I go into a fight with and it has nothing to do with her as a person. What did your family go through in terms of their experience in Soviet Lithuania? Because uh, not a lot of people know anything about Lithuania, to be frank. I mean, it's a very small country, a Baltic country that uh, was under Soviet rule. And, you know, they built all these gray buildings and took a lot of the culture out of Lithuania and really treated Lithuanians like garbage for a long period of time. Uh, but w what kind of experience yeah. do the members of your family have with uh, that particular period uh, of the country? So I have a... a an uh, ancestor of mine that was a Knigishke who was like a book smuggler who was, um, you know, responsible for keeping the Lithuanian language alive. And um, there was also uh, my great, great uncle who survived being exiled or being sent to Siberia and came back. And he ended up being like one of the first group of cardiologists in Lithuania. Um, and then he wrote this whole family history book on all of the different things that happened with our family. And, um, you know, and then my, my father was also refused to be in to, to fight for the Soviet Union Army. And he got put in a mental institute instead because he he didn't um, he refused. So, you know, that's uh, that's unfortunate that that that's what he had to go through. But at the same time, his stubbornness and his, uh, <laughs> you know, his refusal to accept um, oppression is a big factor into why I'm so stubborn. And sometimes I can be hard to coach, <laughs> uh, you know, but it's also what makes me such a strong fighter. And um, it's something that I carry with me uh, throughout my career. Yeah, the story about your great uncle's uh, pretty incredible. I mean, people, a lot of people don't realize that when you were kind of a dissident or you weren't obedient, they would uh, deport people to Siberia where they would freeze to death. Uh, again, another part of right. the history that I think a lot of people don't really know much about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely lots of, um, there's definitely so much about Lithuania that people don't know about. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I would just advise everybody to just go watch the documentary and, and you'll, you'll learn a lot. It's an easy one to watch. I think it's on Disney Plus because Disney made that movie. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big Arvita Sabonis fan. I grew up uh, loving watching him oh, yeah. as well. And speaking of creativity, very few big men that were as, as creative at the time. And now you see a lot of these big men like uh, of the Denver Nuggets, your home city uh, right now. Uh, Nikola Jokic, I think, owes a lot of to uh, Arvita Sabonis. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we're 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 a small but mighty country, right? Like we have, um, you know. It's small now, but it came from a long history of just lots of uh, lots of stubbornness, but lots of creativity, and and we're we're pretty amazing people. Well, as somebody who comes from that uh, culture, I would agree with you. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so looking ahead to, to this weekend um, with Whaley, what do you think is the thing that she's going to that that might give you the most trouble with her? If you, if you look at, do, do you think it's her physicality? We saw, of course, in the first Andrade fight, you've since gotten that one back. The physicality is, I think, what ended up being the determining factor in that first fight. Um, I mean, you know, I guess that's kind of how it appeared to be. Uh. I don't know. I, I don't know what can be, you know, the biggest challenge. I just think like her strength is her determination. So it's it's all basically up to me just being just focusing on making sure that I'm doing my best and I will be the best as long as I just focus on that and control myself. Um, I think, you know, ultimately her her discipline and her consistency and her her stubbornness uh, is is uh 
very apparent and is, is a challenge that I'm really excited to, uh, to face and overcome. And she did an interview, I think it was either today or yesterday, with uh, Nick Pete from BT Sport, and she offered to fly you to China. She said she would pay for a flight for you to go to China so you could experience her culture. Is that something you'd be interested in taking her up on? If I felt that it was a genuine offer and she, you know, is being honest and sincere, I'd be down for whatever. Um, but I would, I would rather her come come to Lithuania and come check out our culture first, you know, because um, that's exactly what I'm going to do after this fight. Um, you know, hoping to buy some land and and uh, I have a vision. I just had a vision today of of uh, building an Earthship MMA academy out in in Lithuania and maybe one in Minnesota and one in Colorado, I think that would be, that would be super awesome. Uh, that's just something that a dream, I, I, it's been a while that I've been thinking about how to, how to um, put this all together, but it just came to me today. Well, it's cool to hear you say that because I think a lot of people believe that after you're done your MMA career, you just kind of want to go uh, and stay at home, work on a farm, uh, do all kinds of things that, that <laughs> kind of bring you peace, but you want to continue with your MMA journey throughout your life after this as well? Yeah, because, um, you know, that's constantly the battle, I think, is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm naturally kind of an introverted person. But I think that if I can um, make a difference in the world and that's that's what I wanted to do when be first becoming a champion was to to uh, use martial arts to change the world. And I think this is a, a great way to do it, because um, when I was a kid in the inner city going out into the to summer camp and kind of enjoying nature and things like that and learning martial arts. Those were very influential things in my life. And so I think I can, I can um, use earthships and use my knowledge of that and martial arts and, and to um, give that experience to other kids. Sorry, when you, when you say earthships, what do you mean? Uh, they're like these uh, self-sustaining houses that um, I went out and built in um, Indonesia. We, we went out there for like uh, a month and um, they're just self-sustaining houses that like kind of help the pollution and the environment and things like that. And uh, that's something that I've been very passionate about for a long time and it's something that I want to bring to the world. Do they work on solar energy? So that's just one aspect of it. You know, they also recycle water. Um, it's built out of recyclable materials. Um, depending on where you're at in the world, it is um, hurricane resistant. It doesn't require, they have like vapor barriers where it's so if it's really hot somewhere, you don't need air conditioning. Or if you're in a cold climate, uh, it's pointed at the sun at a certain angle to where you get, um, you know, uh, as close to constant 70 degrees year round um, with maybe the exception of like, say, Minnesota. But you can have like a, a heating uh, uh, fire to kind of heat your house and things like that. So um it, it manages all all five. Um, I forgot exactly what the five essential things of human basic needs are, but it it, it uh, produces food, water, uh, sewage, solar, and there was one more thing. I think it's like heat or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well, I, I feel like this has been an educational interview for uh, for both myself learning about that and, and other people learning about the history of Lithuania. So I'm, I'm happy we're able to bring that to the to the masses. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's a lot to unpack, so my apologies. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for doing this, Rose, and uh, I, I'm not sure if you have the answer to this question, but uh, has Coach Whitman talked about how cool it is to be coaching both yourself and Kamaru in the main and co-main event this weekend? Uh, I don't know if you've uh, if he's he's been outgoing about that, but I'd love to hear how he's feeling. Um, I mean, we've been we've been on a roll this whole training camp, and I think it's been really exciting for him. I don't think 
he doesn't even really need to express it. It's been pretty apparent. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a flashback to Abu Dhabi in a way. We, we were both on the same card then. So this time it's both of us are, are competing for the gold. So, um, yeah, it's going to be special. All right, Rose. Well, thank you for this. Really appreciate it. And best of luck this weekend. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm pleased to be joined now by the women's strawweight champion Zhong Wei Li, who will be making a title defense this coming weekend against Rose Namajunas at UFC 261 with the fans in attendance. So, Zhang, you didn't get a chance to fight in an empty arena during this pandemic. The last time you fought was against Joanna Jinjacek with fans present. Do you wish that you would have had that opportunity to fight in an empty arena? She prefers to fight with crowd, um, like. Uh, she thinks the, all the fans are part of the fight game. Uh, she enjoyed the uh, feeling of the, being watched by the crowd when she fought, uh, when she fights. So she's feeling super excited for this one. Well, she should be. It should be an excellent event uh, in front of a full crowd. Now, I've heard about your uh, daily workout regimen. You start very early in the morning and finish late at night. Walk me through that. How does your day start and uh, go through all of the different steps of your workout during the day? Uh, so when she trains in Beijing, uh, she uh, wakes up at uh, uh, half past six and started uh, running at 8 a.m. Um, she runs to her gym and starts tra uh, train uh, striking till 11 a.m. Uh, after lunch, she will take a nap about one hour and start at 3 p.m. She, uh, she trains grappling and wrestling. And uh, there will be two strength and conditioning uh, session uh, during the week, and uh, um, like Monday to Saturday, she uh, that's her training days, and uh, Sunday she takes one day off. So, what are some of the things you do in your spare time? Uh, what what are some of your hobbies and things that you enjoy doing outside of fighting? Yes, uh, she uh, she loves uh, she loves uh, she has a lot of hobbies. Uh, like some extreme sports like bungee jumping and or uh, uh, snowboarding, but since uh, uh, she's becoming a champion, her team want to her uh, like stay safe and don't take those risks. So nowadays she just go out uh, on Sunday, cook some food, uh, or like uh, have a meal with friend or watch movies. That seems like a good idea. I, in retirement, a lot of time for jumping out, out of planes uh, and, and doing bungee jumping, for sure. Uh, uh, you offered to fly Rose Namajunas to China. Uh, I heard this in an interview earlier today. What do you think that she would learn about uh, the Chinese culture if she went there? She will find out the people there in China are very forgiving. They are all very friendly. And also, like, uh, she, she will check out a lot like traditional uh, Chinese mixed martial arts. Do you feel like that there are some mis misconceptions about China among people in America? She don't think that like most. Uh, she don't think it's, it's a misunderstanding. She think uh, people people are, uh, have have lack lack of knowledge of China, and they all think China is like mysterious. But uh, there there has to be more communication between. And the two sides of the world to know each other better. Do you believe that as champion that you can uh, stop some of those misconceptions and, and bring uh, some of the Chinese culture to America and educate people about uh, what what you believe China to be is about? She is definitely willing to do this. She she's happy to share the great culture of China to 
on the whole world and also um, um, like uh, show uh, the through the media like how great uh, the state is. In this way, like both sides can know each other better. Were there any hurdles in terms of flying to Jacksonville, coming to America for this event, uh, given what's going on in the world with the, the pandemic? And uh, are you planning on staying in America for a little while afterwards, or what's what's your travel schedule like um, following this fight? Um, no, there's not much like restriction for her to come to states. Uh, like uh, it, the the trip is kind of uh, smooth, uh, even when she uh, trying to uh, enter the custom, she's getting recognized by the staff there. They were asking pictures. Um, so after she finished her fight, she might uh, do a media tour. Then uh, when once the media tour is finished, she, she plans to fly back to China. After your last fight, uh, probably the fight of the year last year with Ioana and Jacek, you guys were in the hospital together. Tell me about that experience. Uh, so at, at that night, um, like, uh, Willie actually went to the hospital uh, hospital first. Then after like ten minutes, she saw your Yorna uh, laying down on the uh, like what is it like trolley or something uh, on bed. they being uh, sent to the hospital, and uh, Joanna was crying, cried for a long time. Um, one of uh, her corner or her friend uh, who is also. A, girl came over to congrats Wendy. Wendy, uh deep inside she wanted to uh, talk with Joanna but her English was bad. Uh, she felt quite sad when uh, she heard Joanna is uh, crying. So there's no communication between those two. Um, so like uh, at that time uh, uh, she felt like uh, Joanna has passed the uh, the re responsibility to protect the throne to her, and uh, um, uh, Joanna told her in the hospital. Uh, the past will become more and more difficult. Uh, she will. Uh, she will look look at her and uh, see her uh, keep uh, defending her title. So uh, she right now she has a lot of respect to Joanna. So right now she has a huge respect uh, to Joanna and she was moved at that night. Uh, she felt that this uh, uh, this was this is kind of uh, uh, the tradition being. Uh, like passed over. Speaking of defending the title, if she wins on this weekend, she'll have beaten all three of the previous strawweight champions in a row. She'll have beaten uh, Jessica Andrade, Joanna, and then Rose. Is she interested in facing Carla Esparza so that she can beat every single champion from her division previously? Yes, she believes this is the process she has to make and this is uh, her era. Now, if that doesn't happen, that would be because Carla Esparza loses her next fight, which is against uh, Yan Xiaonan, who's 6-0, uh, and o, also from China. If you end up facing Yan, is that something that you feel has to happen in China because uh, both of you have risen the ranks? Of course, you'd be the champion and she'd be the top contender? Uh, like, if she has to um, face Yan Xiaonan one day, it will be because of, like, China's 
uh, MMA, a female MMA is uh, getting too strong, and she uh, she sings is, uh, is she's she sings is a very positive way to show the the power of uh, like uh, China's female MMA if they face each other eventually. All right, Weili, Shishi Ni, appreciate your time, and I hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you. I'm now joined by the women's flyweight champion, Valentina Shevchenko, taking on Jessica Andrade at UFC 261, a full arena in Jacksonville, Florida. I think this is a matchup that everybody should be really excited about just because of how stylistically you guys match up. Do you agree with that? Um, you know, for me, every my fight, it's very, like, um, excited, I could say. Um, I'm getting ready for every fight the same way, the best as I can. That's why it's hard for me, from my perspective, to say it's different. I understand probably fans, they're like uh, feeling different, but I am the uh, performing person. I feel different. I feel different that uh, I just like um, have to be in this fight and have to do everything to win this fight. That's why I'm focused on my preparation and um, like to be healthy, to be strong, to be mentally ready for the fight. That's why it's like it's different. You are like looking inside you. You are not looking outside what's happening. That's why it's very different what, for example, like other people can feel. I just sharing what I am feeling leading to the fight. Okay, so let me ask you about how you feel then. Give me what your ideal opponent would be in terms of how they fight. If you were to say, I want to have an opponent that does this in a fight, what would it be? Ah, no, you won't hear that things from me because it's, um, it's, it doesn't exist. You cannot fi find your ideal opponent. It's like very hard. It's like uh, only you have choices yeah you have your opponent but then you have find your tactic for this particular opponent and for me every my opponents their ideal opponents so i have to only to find the key how to win them so you get excited about the puzzle not exactly how they fight or the style you, you like being able to solve the problem in front of you yeah i would say you find the very right words yes exactly what i wanted to say <laughs> So with Jessica, she's going to probably walk forward. She's going to pressure you a little bit more than previous opponents have. Is that the way that you're approaching this one? You know, yes, I'm expecting a lot of pressure from her and like trying to wrestle, trying to hit, trying to do anything. But that's fine. It's like, that's good. I like like opponents who are like running toward me because it's like, okay, this is what I want. <laughs> Now, I know you and Rose Nama Yunus have trained together before. Uh, Rose has fought Jessica on two occasions. Have you had a chance to talk to her at all about how she approached, uh, I guess, the most recent fight between the two of them? Oh, no, no. I, I, I don't have this custom to speak uh, with someone and, like, 
sharing their experience about what they feel. For me, it's not necessary. For me, like enough to see their fights it uh, and like take uh, everything what I need to see from the fights. So definitely before every my opponent, I see all their fights and I watch like fight with Rose, fights with uh, 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 Bailey, fight with Joanna, with everyone. So I took everything that... Uh, necessary for me from that fight but um like uh no one you know actually no one could tell you what you have to do what's like you better to do because we are so different in in many way what did rose it's different what do i and it's like you have to find your uh single your like special way to resolve this puzzle <laughs> so how much do you study an opponent like how many times do you watch her fights how much time do you spend digesting that information overall leading up to a fight couple couple times during the training camp final review before the fight not too many not too much not too crazy it's like um, just everything that i have to understand from the fight everything that i have to see and um, usually i have like um, me and my team we are having like good eye for the spe special details because you know some people they uh, really can see the fight and cannot see anything they don't understand the uh, like uh, just little details of the fighter they just see general picture but uh, I think the most important to really see these like small details and some sometimes these details it's uh, made uh, the whole game to change. So I'm not going to ask you about Jessica because I don't want you to give anything away. But let's say you were studying for Jennifer Maya, who you, you had just fought previously. What details did you notice from watching her tape that helped you in that fight? Is there a little something that you can give us that you saw from her previous fights that helped you in, in your fight with her? Yes, uh, I knew it's going to be hard to knock her down to uh, like make a KO to her because she has strong chin. And she, you know, it's like just type of the fighters it's very um some of fighters like you hit them a little bit and they are like ko some of the fighters they just like running forward and they don't care about defense too much because they really have very strong um they can hold hit very hard this is like uh, uh my coach pavel he had one uh, student and you know he was so hard he was like like it's very hard was to uh, to make him to ko him and she just was like hitting everyone so hard and like no defense at all no defense at all <laughs> and this is um, like um, what i saw in jennifer maya and i understood that um she has um um like natural power it's different it's different that created power that you gain with uh, like with uh, uh, iron doing like everything. It's 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 just like different uh, fighters, different like type of the fighter. Some of them like they are born with this strength and power, 
some of them they are gains through the years it's two different it's two different powers <laughs> do you notice similarities between uh jessica andraj and uh and jennifer maya because a lot of the things that you're describing do somewhat fit into what we've seen from jessica in the past mm, um it's kind of yes and no it's like um it's different it's different. I won't share my details about Jessica Andrade. I did say that at the beginning of the last question. I was going to ask you about details about Jessica. So I'll ask you, uh, going into the next interview, uh, after this, this fight, when you're defending the, defending the title again, we'll, we'll go there. Uh, now, a lot of people always ask you about whether or not you would want to uh, face uh, Zhang Weili in the future, the, the strawweight champion. Do you feel like that's unfair to a lot of the competitors in strawweight? It's not like strawweight has a shortage of challengers for her. I I don't know I don't know it's a, like I cannot say from my side um, like defending all strawweight <laughs> it would be unfair to me right <laughs> but um, you know um, it's not I am like asking for this fight she is constantly running running crying because of she want to fight me i want to fight you and want to fight me this is her idea this is what she wants it's like very popular in modern uh, days like to have this like straight from from no one to everyone like from being like uh, number 20 contenders straight away to fight the championships like it's very popular everyone wants to gain more and more um like fan base it's very popular uh, like popular these days that's why it's not me who is like asking this fight this is she who wanted this fight and okay you want it just take it <laughs> well in your opinion then what's more likely if you had to guess before your career ends a fight with uh, Zhang or a trilogy fight with Amanda Nunes if you think if you if you would just guess what you think is more likely what would it be I know it's very hard to tell it's very hard you know why because um, for each of these fights there is different circumstances right and definitely um, both fights it's gonna be something very interesting uh, for a Monday fight, I don't have to gain probably some weight back. <laughs> yeah, and for Whaley, yeah, I just be how I am right now. But um, I don't know, I don't know. I Before it's going to be something certain. And like um, before we start to discuss with the promotion, something like that with my management team, something about that fight happening. I don't even want to think about it, but I tell you that I'm open to any opportunities. I'm not the person who like um, trying to run away or something like that. I just open for anything. And I just um, want to leave my martial arts career in the best way what it can happen. Yeah, we always like to think into the future, but for now, you've got to fight against Andrade, Zhang's got to fight against Rose, and Nunes might have a fight coming up with Juliana Pena. It hasn't been booked yet, but that seems to be the direction they're going in. So let's see how all of that shakes out, and then we can talk about that particular subject. Thank you for taking the time with me, uh, Valentina. Always appreciate it, and best of luck to you against Jessica Andrade. Uh, full sold-out arena in Jacksonville, UFC 261. Thank you, Aaron. Have a great day. Bye. A huge thank you to all of our 
Interview subjects on today's TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Dana White, Jorge Masvidal, Rosanama Yunus, Zhang Veili, and Valentina Shevchenko. Enjoy UFC 261. A lot to love about this card. That's main card is about as stacked of a main card as they've had in some time. So check it out. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.